0: My name is Maximus Decimus Meridius. I am. Hello, hello, and welcome back to the Post Credit Podcast. I am your host, Eric Italiano, senior writer at throwbible.com. Today, as always, I'm joined by my co-host, Kate Onder, who you could find writing about video games over at ComicBook.com. We have an absolutely massive show today. Now, culture fans have had this date circled on their calendars for a while because it's the release of Top Gun Maverick. Obi-Wan, Kenobi, and Stranger Things 4. We will not be talking about Stranger Things this week, and I'm not sure at all because Netflix shows are hard to cover. Like, I don't know how one- Yeah, if two all at once, really. Podcasts, especially when they're this long. Yeah. So I'm not sure how we're going to tackle that, if at all, but we've got Stranger Things, Top Gun, and Obi-Wan all week. So massive, massive week. But before that, news broke this week. Unfortunate news, Ray Liotta passed away at 67 years old, and I would be remiss if we didn't talk about him to start the show. I often say, Kate, I'm pretty sure I said this to you, the two films, two films and three things set me on my entertainment career course. It was Batman cartoon, Pulp Fiction and Goodfellas. And Goodfellas and Pulp Fiction, my parents showed me probably younger than they should have. I was maybe not quite yet a teenager. So I don't know, maybe nine, ten, eleven. And I just remember that first scene where they're bathed in the red tail lights and the trunk opens up, yeah. and Kashi pulls out a fucking steak knife, and I've never seen a scene so violent in my life. And that was a moment that it clicked for me. That I was like, "Wow, movies are different." So over the years, because of how much I love that film, it's in my top five of all time. I've got it at fourth, I think. I've spent a lot of time with this guy and this character. I mean, he has. While he may not as be as iconic as Robert. De Niro there's no denying the fact that he's the star of this film Goodfellas is is his movie and he is at the center of one of the greatest American films certainly of the last 30 years and of all time as well and one more point that I want to make about him is that a lot of the clips that I've been seeing online are either from Field of Dreams and Goodfellas of course Field of Dreams came out in 89 Goodfellas (laughs) came out in 90 which I didn't even know this until today, Until I looked this up. Goodfellas was only his sixth feature film. Could you imagine like, starring in the greatest movie of all time yeah. and still 10 films into your career? In Field of Dreams as shoeless Joe Jackson, he is so tender and so sweet, especially towards the end where he says a line like, can I come back? And then to follow that up with just the complete... Fierceness and intensity of Henry Hill, the face that he has when he walks back across the street when he just bashed that guy's face and with a gun. I'll mm-hmm. never, that's oh, one of never, the best scenes ever. I will never forget that. I'll never forget yeah. the look on his face. I'll never forget that performance. He acted in over a hundred films during the course of his career. He was still quite busy last year alone. He was in Steven Soderbergh's No Sudden Move and, yeah. um, and David Chase's um, Sopranos prequel he was great in that he had a bunch of films still yet to come out we'll see more of him posthumously it's for my generation i don't i'm curious to hear how yours connects to him but for mine it's just a, a huge loss
1: yeah I, I i don't want to speak for my entire generation but i think even if they don't know he played tommy versetti on gta by city like, you're the first person the guy.
0: Who, you're the first person who told me that i had no yeah. idea
1: yeah huge right like that is because there had been some characters of recognition in the grand Theft auto series prior to this but he was the first like voice protagonist in this 3d era and rockstar came out swinging with like heavy hitters burt reynolds him uh, a bunch of other guys and granted there are some stories behind the scenes of dealing with actors on those games which is why they don't use big actors anymore uh, <laughs> namely burt reynolds is, it was a big problem for them but um I, that that is such an iconic performance and i remember when grand theft of 5 was coming out they released a teaser trailer and you didn't know who was who in the trailer they didn't give you any information but there was a shot of michael who was one of the main characters in the game and everyone thought oh my god tommy Rossetti's coming back because he slightly resembles ray Liotta," and so everyone was so excited and, and it wasn't but um that had an impact on a lot of people and they've remastered all those games. Uh, and so you can easily access that performance uh, on modern consoles and stuff now. Um, and then I, I post on Twitter his his small cameo in the B movie, which is just one of the funniest things ever, in my opinion, is so funny. Um, and, and I think uh, Goodfellas is a father son movie kind of thing like my dad watches goodfellas all the time he told me the other day i was watching it on tv other other day and the first time i ever watched it was on amc with him when yeah, i was probably it sounds like, exactly right yeah yeah uh, when when i was probably like 10 or 11 you know and i, I he was like yeah you shouldn't be watching this but i just kind of sat there and ignored him because i was just immediately captivated by this yeah. movie uh so, yeah, I, I can't speak for everyone, but I, I definitely think there are a lot of people in my generation that uh, probably watched it with their dad on TV. Right. right. It's, yeah, a, it's so, a great movie.
0: Yeah, so RIP to Ray Liotta. It's a shame. Um. All right, moving on to the show now. Top Gun Maverick hits theaters this week, and in a less jam-packed week, we would probably dive more in depth. But since we don't have the time, Cade, you just saw it this week. I saw it a few weeks ago, so you're a bit more fresh in that regard. If you have any thoughts that you want to share, I'd love to hear them. I just want to make a quick note. Uh it made 19.3 night 19
1: <laughs> 19 trillion dollars.
0: <laughs> 19 more billion dollars. Um it made 19.3 million dollars on Thursday night a Memorial Day weekend record pandemic or not, which is pretty yeah. fucking wild. And it is projected to make over 125 million this weekend which would be the, which would be the biggest of Tom Cruise's the nearly 60-year-old Tom Cruise's career keeps doing it so Cade any thoughts on the film You like Sharon? Yeah uh this
1: movie is like probably should have been unfilmable like given all they, the stuff they do with the planes and and not just that but like able to cohesively weave a like well-made story in with those scenes like you you have a big balancing act i know they said they shot over like 800 hours of footage with the plane stuff yeah so to have to cut all the best pieces of that together while maintaining the overall narrative because the the story doesn't go away when they go into the planes or anything right like it is all present and uh it it is is an incredibly impressive achievement on a technical level and storytelling level and uh the, the third act set piece is like one of the most intense things I've ever experienced in a movie theater. I think it is just a...
0: What do you think movie. it says about Tom Cruise that he's still doing it? Does, it? does it say that there's still an underlying desire for an old school A-list star blockbuster tentpole film? I mean, there is the Leos of the world, but Leo right. doesn't really make blockbusters he makes more prestige dramas like his next film killers of the flower moon right that's going to clean up at the awards but that's not like a people might stream that at home they're not racing out to the theaters to see that despite the fact that it's leo and corsese is it tom cruise himself what do you how does he keep doing this especially as somebody who his whole for your whole life he's been the action star tom cruise i grew up with him having still that one foot in the dramatic world like the first tom cruise film i ever saw i think was a few good men, and I was just, mm. or the first one that I could remember seeing. Sure. And I was just like, "Wow! Like, what a what an actor <laughs> this guy is!" Yeah. But in the 25 years since, he's become firmly an action star. So, I mean, thoughts there. That's a lot of fucking money 125 million dollars for a non Not MCU film. Yeah, That's insane.
1: Yeah, I I definitely think part of it is just Tom Cruise. When when I saw the movie, um, they had a pre roll thing of uh. Like, welcome to the premiere of Top Gun. And they had just a clip show of Tom Cruise going around the world on a tour. And it was just about him just being like, yeah, I'm here in Mexico City. yeah, He's just like, I love movies. And I was like, this is cool. And everyone clapped when they saw him. So like, there is probably a... A lot of those people were older, and they were there for Top Gun because mm. there were people in flight suit gear and no Top Gun merchandise. Like they were all out. They were they were real ones. And, it's like
0: um, End Game for Boomers. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs>
1: um, so I think it's part Top Gun as a thing, and then uh, Tom Cruise. I mean, there was also. Audible cheering when the Mission Impossible trailer showed as well. Oh. So it was like there there's some enthusiasm for Tom Cruise. I think he's just a really nice guy. Whenever I see him in interviews, the first thing I, I notice is how he greets the person very calmly, very like eye to eye kind of thing, like very intimate. And then when they leave, he goes, so good to see you again. Just take care. All right. Really good to see you. Just like so warm. And he just has a very charming personality and stuff that I think Uh, is also replicated on screen and and his obviously uh, desire to do the most
0: insane shit for our
1: $15.
0: I mean, I think he's the only person that could get this film made in terms of like those stunts being real. Yeah. Like I can't imagine any actor getting this over the line. Not Leo, not Brad Pitt, nobody. Um, I think right now it has a 99% score, which it's just through the fucking roof. It's racking up cash. I think by virtue of how successful it is, it's going to open the door for a a Top Gun 3. Like, I can't imagine them being like, oh, well, see for another 36 years. Like, I don't, I have a hard time seeing that. Tom Cruise is, despite the fact that he seems. Ageless, probably. I mean, goddamn, what is he, 59? He could maybe get away with this shit for another 60 years. I mean, sorry. (laughs) 120-year-old Tom Cruise (laughs) turned to dust. Another six years until he's like 65 (laughs) years old. Like, I don't know how much longer it's possible. Granted, he's like the same way that Tom Brady takes care of his body. I'm sure Tom Cruise is doing the same fucking shit. So the the scale of which how long he could last has changed. It's not like he's Burt Reynolds hailing down cigs each day you know what i mean so (laughs) it's just a fantastic movie and i'm somebody who wasn't that crazy about the original top gun so to see how successful it is and how much people are enjoying it it's just been a blast now on to the quick hitters you brought up the first trailer for mi7 i know that that this is your jam quick thoughts
1: Uh, not a lot of like story beats here, uh, but like just I'm like check be- out how dope our franchise yeah. is. <laughs> it's just like here's every location in the world, and Tom Cruise is running in it, and it's like,
0: in <laughs> say less, let's do it. Yeah, um, the first trailer for the gray man job this week. I was nervous for this film because some first look photos like the little Fugazi and <laughs> uh Cherry bombed and was mm. supposedly terrible. I've not even seen it trailer looks really good. Ryan Gosling is really just that dude, and that's about yeah. all I've got.
1: Yeah, when you have two very charismatic leads with Chris Evans and uh, Ryan Gosling and Ana de Armas, I right. mean, that's a pretty... You
0: got me regardless of yeah. the quality of the movie. I'm, I'm yeah. And unlike Red Notice, it looks like it was filmed on Earth. <laughs> yeah, it feels
1: like a real movie, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, they, the they,
0: they want this to be their James Bond. I think they've spent over $200 million on on this film alone. So, uh, all right. Jodie Foster set to star in season four of True Detective. It had a subtitle, but I didn't write it down. I love season one, hated season two. Season three lost me about halfway Mm. through. So this is a franchise that I don't really care about at this point. But she is one of the greatest actresses of her generation. So I'll tune in. Yeah, I really like
1: True Detective with the exception of season two. So, yeah. I like three, Um, so I'm excited for this. And "Sounds of the Lambs" is a banger, and uh, if I get some "Sounds of the Lambs" vibes
0: from this, that's Mm, that's all I need. (laughs) All right, bunch of Star Wars news. John Watts' series, which is dropping next year, I guess they've had this in the works for a while. I wonder if like Lucasfilm was doing this behind Marvel's back. Like, how did like how did all these pieces get into place so quickly? You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah.
1: That is crazy.
0: His show is. Coming out next year, it's got a title, Star Wars Skeleton Crew, I'm gonna star Jude Law, which is fucking awesome. awesome. Yeah. It's gonna follow a group of children around 10 years old, but it's quote, not a kid show and will echo the sort of Amblin Steven Spielberg 80s vibe. Yeah, I believe um, Goonies. Was I, this, this, this like immediately rockets to the top of my Star Wars shit that I'm yeah. hyped for.
1: Yeah. Uh like I said, I believe Goonies was referenced as well for Ooh. like tone and vibe. Right. So that's cool. Um, yeah. I this is a I, someone said like I love how John Watts watched the John Hughes movie once and decided to turn his entire career into that. Yeah. And like totally. Uh, yeah. This is a interesting. It, it's a not risk but unique take on the Star Wars world that we haven't you think seen so? yet. Unique, at least maybe not risk, but yeah, like yeah, definitely yeah, yeah, like yeah. I like the angle that they're approaching yeah, it in. Yeah, we yeah. haven't really seen much with the children of the Star Wars universe. Right. Really. right.
0: Right. Uh, Okay. Ah, Ahsoka will hit Disney Plus in 2023, as will season three of The Mandalorian. That will specifically debut in February. Kathleen Kennedy confirms that the next Star Wars film will be Taika Waititi's, and they're aiming to release late next year. New Warner Bros. Brass is reportedly frustrated that J.J. Abrams and his production company Bad Robot has, quote, laid claim to a number of DC characters, but has yet to develop anything with them. That said, they've seen scripts for a Constantine project and a Madam X project, Constantine baby, Let's get that ball rolling yeah. jj come on son Cade, this is a good one for you sony confirmed that adaptations of god of war and horizon are coming to tv this joins the list of shows that include the last of us ghost of tsushima gran turismo and twisted metal Kade, we've talked about sort of the cross-pollinization of ip of mm-hmm. gaming and tv shows on the show a few times um, this is clearly a intentional plan from Sony. Thoughts here, since this is your space.
1: Yeah, it's interesting how spread out they're going with this. So, Last of Us is HBO, Twisted Metal is Peacock, uh, God of War is Amazon, and Horizon is Netflix. So they mm. have they're giving everyone one thing, right? And I kind of like that. That's yeah, really cool idea. It really gives you some variety, right? Um, so it'll be interesting to see what they do. I don't. Like God of War is in the name has to be Kratos because he's the God of War. So you can't like do like a side story unless it's a story of his like bridging the gap between God of War three and the twenty eighteen game because there's some time there that we don't know what happened. Um, and Horizon, there is a larger world there that they can explore. So there's a lot, of, a lot of possibilities here that I'm very interested by. Neil Blomkamp is reportedly uh, being eyed to direct a Gran Turismo movie. I
0: saw that. What the fuck? Yeah, what the fuck? Uh, Maybe they saw, like, I I feel like they took the wrong point from uh, Chappie. Like, that's not, like, technology is not really what that guy is, like, good at.
1: (laughs) Yeah, it's like. Grand Spurs also just like doesn't have a story it's like what if we made forza motorsport uh you know of a, a movie it's like it's not like need for speed where they can go with the crime angle or whatever yeah that's weird it's like that's just like cars and that's it yeah <laughs> so, i don't know but but i'm interested in what they have up their sleeve and uh, apparently they have even more projects that they haven't announced quite yet so lots in the pipeline
0: speaking of shows based on cars a live action speed racer series is in development at apple with jj abrams this guy's fucking real slut uh will (laughs) executive produce uh samuel jackson this news sent people wild this week (laughs) samuel jackson joins chris pratt in the animated garfield film he will be playing a new character garfield's father vic and of course, everybody had would, had jokes of lasagna, motherfucker. Do you eat it <laughs> <laughs> and shit like that? So, look, man, that's hilarious. We lived in we live in extremely cursed times. It is um, The social embargo for Miss Marvel has lifted. I've seen the first two. I am happy to report to somebody who was quite upset with Marvel's Moon Knight that the show is quite cute. I thought it has some real Lord and Miller energy in both the creativity of its visuals and the pacing and tone of its humor. Iman Vellani is extremely winning as Kamala Khan and the family dynamics provide an anchor for the entire series that everyone can relate to, even though your family might be different from theirs. Mm -hmm. As someone who could care less about comic book accuracy, I think her powers are quite cool. And in the midst of all the She-Hulk CGI talk, look quite good too. Just two in, I am far more invested in Kamala's journey than I ever was in Steven and Mark's and Moon Knight at the Mm -hmm. same point. Steven and Mark's, I finally got on board for an episode, I think it was five, where it was like that journey inside of his mind type thing. Mm -hmm. But by then it was too late. So they sell you on con within the first two. You're like, all right, I care about this kid. I want her to do well. So on and so forth. All right. Moving on to more Marvel from this week, we got the first full trailer for Thor Love and Thunder, which hits theaters on July 8th.
1: Kids, get to popcorn now. Let me tell you the story of
0: the space viking, Thor Odinson.
1: He was no ordinary man.
0: He was a god. Um, after after, some, planet Earth for the after a pretty sparse teaser trailer, this certainly gave us a better scope and idea of what the film is going to be about let me just start by saying that i simply cannot hear the song sweet child of mine without thinking about that scene from step brothers it's just an automatic at this point kate i've got some thoughts do you have any big picture stuff that you want to get to uh
1: christian bale is going to give this role more than this movie deserves probably like not that this movie looks bad just like he's going in right and the american psycho memes that have already come out of this is just fucking hilarious uh this movie's going to be great simply because of him. The 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 weird black and white aesthetic they're giving with him, I don't know what that's all about, but I love it. It's cool. Yeah. Uh so yeah,
0: that is my one thing of my play notes play. here is that this film looks like it's going to be a visual treat. Yes. Like and I know there's been a lot of CGI green screen talk, but when you do it well and you can create worlds like this, it's worth it. Um, Absolutely. The trailer itself, there's not much plot. I would say no. it's more of a character setter in terms of we know what Thor is going through. We know that he's sort of questioning if he still wants to be Thor and I'm sure Gore raising hell is going to be what drags him back in. Mm-hmm. We see Natalie Portman sort of being a hero for the first time and going through her own, I guess for lack of a better term, origin story. Uh, And then you've got Gore, who clearly is intent on killing gods because he finds them to be selfish, self-aggrandizing, full of shit, Mm -hmm. really. Um, But that said, on the back of the Marvel projects we've gotten so far, how good does Thor need to be for it to be a success, I guess, is what I'm saying. Because we're going from Eternals, bomb, No Way Home, hit, Doctor Strange hit. And now Thor is the first MCU character to get a fourth film. I'm just wondering, like, are people going to see it as one too far or Mm. are people going to be like, all right, I'm glad that we got this character one more time? I think people,
1: unless the movie sucks, but I mean, they look like they've got it handled so far. Uh, I think people love this character. I think I remember when Thor one came out, I was not. In on that character, uh, and then they kind of figured out his place in the, the Marvel Cinematic Universe and have mm-hmm. quickly made him like one of the best characters. Um, and I, I think the balance of comedy and someone who is supposed to be the god of thunder and the most worthy person of them all, uh, with the self doubt and, and all that is, is great. I, I didn't like how they did it in Endgame, kind of making a joke out of him, like being fat, but like. All that stuff. I thought like there were some good ideas, but like didn't work in execution. And this movie seems to take some of those ideas and execute them in the way that I would have liked to have seen it. Right. Right. Without repeating it, but taking it a step further, which I really enjoy.
0: Yeah, I've long thought that his sort of dramatic arc is one of the biggest strengths of the Infinity Endgame saga. Yeah. Another thing I found fascinating was how little the Guardians were in this trailer compared Mm -hmm. to how much they were in the teaser, which makes me wonder if they're probably just going to be a one-scene deal to sort of set themselves up for Volume 3. Like, I could picture them just dropping Thor off and then being gone.
1: Yeah, I think they'll probably be in it for, like, maybe the first, like, 15 minutes or so. You know, something like that. I, I don't know if it'll be just one scene, but it'll be quite brief in the grand scheme of things.
0: Are you as hyped for Thor as you were for Dr. Strange too? I'm
1: getting there. Um, Mm -hmm. I don't think it'll exceed that because of the Raimi of of Dr. Strange and stuff. But uh, I I like Chris Hemsworth. I like Thor. And um, I like what they're doing with Christian Bale a lot. So I think that's going to really be my big hook here. Uh, do, Do you think they'll have another trailer?
0: trying to think i mean it's not quite june yet doesn't come out until july 8th i think they will okay because i think that this only really counts as the first one i I don't think that that first trailer was planned i just think that people were like where's (laughs) the love and thunder trailer and they were like "We got to cut something together here yeah yeah Um, yeah so yeah i definitely think because i there's got to be like a trailer that sort of explains the story, right? Not that they probably. are going to lay it out beat by beat, but just to give people a better idea of what they're getting into. It's going to be hard for them to repeat the Ragnarok magic, which I think is probably a consensus top five or six MCU film. But if they do, specifically because of Bale, I mean, I can't imagine Taika is already saying he thinks he's the MCU's best villain. Granted, that's an obvious to say thing to say when a it's your film and b mm-hmm. it's fucking Bale. But yeah. that said, like I I take him for his word and I the too. MCU for as long as it's been around, outside of perhaps Thanos, you know, it has a not quite a problem because that's a strong word and it's the most successful franchise right. of, of all time. But one of its raps is it has a quote unquote villain problem. So yeah. getting Christian Bale in and but this sort of is a two edged sword because. It reminds me of the Jake Gyllenhaal casting, which great. Love this actor, one of my favorites. But casting him in a role that may ultimately be one film bums me out. To that <laughs> point, that may be why the actor themselves signed up for it in the first place. Sure. Like I'm, I'm in and out. I'm one and done, which I would yeah. get totally fine. But you know, would I have rather seen Christian Bale as Nova, just throwing out a random name? You know, sure. I'm not. I'm not even sure if that fits. Absolutely. So that said, for a first look, he looked fucking menacing. He looked disgusting. He looked grotesque. Yeah. So long as he doesn't
1: leave anything on the table in terms of like, oh, I wish we had just got a little bit more than like I'm here for if he if he gives it his all, which it looks like he's going to. He looks like uh, the monster from Insidious. You remember the one that pops up like Dark Maul? Yeah,
0: absolutely. I thought that he looked like the sort of humanoid thing from Prometheus.
1: All oh, right. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah.
0: All right. Totally. Let's move on to the first trailer for Andor, which also kind of came out of nowhere. That'll be dropping on August 31st. It stars Diego Luna as Cassian Andor. It's a prequel to Rogue One, it takes place 5 years before I think 5 years before the event of that film. They're so proud of
1: themselves. So fat and satisfied. <sighs> They're everywhere watching me now
0: there hasn't really been much news about this show at all so this kind of came out of nowhere i'm not sure people knew what to expect but i think the consensus is oh wow this looks dope
1: yeah uh i was not interested in a cassian andor tv show at all (laughs) as much as we both like Rogue one i just Mm -hmm. think it's like whatever um But this is quickly becoming my also like besides Obi-Wan, maybe like most anticipated Star Wars show. I know Obi-Wan's already out, but uh, it's it has a look to it that is distinct. It is not set in a fucking desert. It looks like it's real world grounded. It it kind of has a war politics spy espionage vibe in on that. It looks cool as fuck.
0: (laughs) Everything you've said are basically my notes. It's going for a political spy thriller vibe which i think in the wake of the prequels is a fascinating time to tell that kind of story with the sort of uh the comeuppance of the empire in that time to hat to to be in the trenches of the yeah. sort of in the trenches of the shadows of the front line you know what i mean right. like yeah, that's yeah, yeah. fucking intense like there's a scene with andor in the senate what the fuck mm-hmm. is he doing there you know what i mean yeah. so like that <laughs> That's a very exciting thing. And I think that the word that you, I think you said grounded, right? It's Mm very stripped down. It's dirty. It looks and feels tactile. Like you could see the dust and the rust Mm -hmm. and the mold all over. And that is because this show is the first Disney plus Star Wars show not to be using that 3D sort of tech that they've used on these shows. Yeah. Um, So that might explain why it looks like this. I essentially and given that this is a Tony Gilroy project makes sense. It looks very Michael Clayton esque, like mm-hmm. one guy operating in the shadows, trying to fix things. Yeah. Yeah. Trying to, trying to take down a, an overarching force of bad.
1: Yeah. I was watching revenge of the Sith* the other night to prepare for Obi-Wan. And uh it struck me how much I was actually interested in the politics of that movie. Like the ins and outs of like, uh the Senate and the Jedi Order trying to kind of well because it's the
0: four stuff. it because it's fourth quarter. You know what I mean? Like right. the clock is dead. That's ticking. true. Yeah, it's yeah, incredibly yeah. boring in the first two
1: films. <laughs> yeah, totally, totally. But I think that fourth quarter thing you said applies to this as well where it's like high stakes like the world is falling apart and we have to figure this out yeah and and so i think that lends well to this and you
0: know well. we get again nothing plot wise so you know that they're going to tell us more as time goes on again sure. and it's not like when i think of rogue one i think of man Andor. what a sick character you <laughs> know what i mean but i think he's more of sort of like an avatar to channel into this sort of world which isn't sure. a version of star wars i i rewatched rogue one last week and i was and then act 1 and act 2 i was like oh uh, like do i overrate rogue one but then i got to act 3 and i was like oh like this is why this movie right. fucking slaps because you've got a front line battle unfolding you've got a air battle unfolding and you've got a spy story unfolding all at once and the okay. and the fact that the rogue one sort of idea of them less so being like lightsaber gun wielding heroes and more in the shadows nameless faceless pulling the strings not for the glory because it's the right thing to do it just gives the star wars as we've said a few times just a more real world feel and i think totally. that's a, and a, and that's a huge You know, one of the things that I pointed out in in a tweet thread that I put out about Rogue One is everybody's basically more or less sucks Luke Skywalker's dick, right? Everybody's obsessed (laughs) with him, what he did. Without the people of Rogue One, the Rebels lose. So the idea of like the nameless soldier being just as important as the five-star general is an awesome idea. And it's what makes Star Wars translate beyond just being sci-fi bright lights and sounds, right? It is, you are understanding the struggle of the second word of the title wars. Yeah, this, is about this, say shit is, this shit is Total. a fucking struggle, dude. We are, we are in the thick of it fighting, yeah. not only for our lives, for our children's lives and in rogue one. And I'm thinking in this show, we're going to get that.
1: Yeah. I was literally about to say like the rogue one and, and this emphasized the war side of star Wars and, that's important because uh the movies, although they have their struggles, are fun romps, right? They're fun adventures. And and this is like, no, this shit sucks. Like we are <laughs> yeah, we yeah. are barely hanging on, you know. <laughs> so uh I, I like having the both sides of the coin that. Yeah, the most powerful Jedi is probably like more heroic looking. And then someone like Cassian Andor is like I have dirt underneath my fingernails and I won't
0: even probably eat this week, you know? Like that's cool. I like having having all sides of that. Exactly. So yeah, I think we're both hyped for that show. We will definitely cover it when it comes out. All right, let's take a quick break. And when we come back, we'll be breaking down the first two episodes of Obi-Wan Kenobi. The coming
1: stay hidden or we
0: will not survive. All right, we are back. We are talking about Episodes 1 and 2 of Obi-Wan Kenobi. As far as I know, they don't have any titles. They're just labeled as Part 1 and 2. So what we're going to do is I'll recap the plot of Episode 1 and 2, and then we'll sort of treat them as one long film, I guess. All right, Episode 1, Part 1. Set 10 years after the events of Order 66, the Grand Inquisitor, the Fifth Brother, and Reva Savender interrogate people on tap to while searching for a Jedi who narrowly escapes them. Obi-Wan now using the alias Ben and working as a meatpacker watches Luke Skywalker from afar as he works on Uncle Owen's farm. The escaped Jedi comes to Obi-Wan to help, but Kenobi refuses because he is no longer a Jedi. On on Alderaan, a young Leia Organa is introduced to to the show, showing off her skills as a climber. Back on Tatooine, Obi-Wan is confronted by Owen Lars, who tells him to stay away from Luke. Owen is then questioned by Reva, but he lies and says nothing he knows about the Jedi, despite his beef with Obi-Wan. Leia, uh, back on Alderaan, Leia is kidnapped by bounty hunter Vect Nakru, played none other than by Flea of Red Hot Chili Peppers, uh, who were hired by Reva. Her parents ask Obi-Wan for help, but he once again declines and says he needs to watch Luke. The next day, after seeing the escaped Jedi's corpse strung over the town, Obi-Wan gets a visit from Leia's father, Bail Organa, who inspires him to dig dig up his lightsaber and set out to find Leia. That is episode one. Episode two. After tracking the kidnappers to the planet of Dayu, Obi-Wan asks the citizens there if anyone has seen Leia. A kid tells him that he could take him to a Jedi named Haja. Estrey, who's played by Kumail Nanjiani, who can help him, but Obi-Wan figures out that he is a fraud. Obi-Wan is lured into a trap and attacked by no gang before defeating them and finding Leia. Reva alerts every bounty hunter in the city to capture Obi-Wan. After finding out Obi-Wan has a bounty on him, Leia runs away, thinking he is the real kidnapper. Obi-Wan and Leia are pursued by Reva, which leads to Leia falling off a roof. Obi-Wan saves her by using the Force for what appears to be the first time in 10 years, gaining her trust. Reva tracks them down, but is stopped from searching for them by the Grand Inquisitor, who she then kills. As Obi-Wan is escaping, he senses Anakin Skywalker's presence for the first time in 10 years. Okay. Obi-Wan, I believe that's the first Star Wars show to drop two, first thing. Did Boba do that? No, I don't think so. I can't recall. So let's start with the tones and themes first, and then we'll sort of dive into the plot itself. Now, heading into the series, and I think you sent out a tweet about it, Deborah Chow compared it to Logan and Joker. While the Joker comparison befuddles me, Logan one is evident immediately, right? I mean, it's got that very... Western, samurai, lone gunslinger vibe to it. Organa literally says to him, one last fight, right? So this is sort of the space that we're in. And why tell this story, right? What makes Logan so successful and considered to be one of the best superhero films of all time, which is basically what Obi-Wan is. He is a superhero. He is Mm -hmm. more so than perhaps luke who lost his hand right like right. obi-wan is the superhero of this world you know what's even cooler than a dope hero a hero that you could relate to and a hero that bleeds and doubts themselves and that is what happens when you get these sort of aged jaded defeated superheroes in these types of stories right you've got logan you've got the dark knight rises you've got like bucky barnes post civil war you've got tony stark and endgame sort of these worn down heroes who are not only past their physical prime, but have lost the belief in their core mission, right? Like not only when Tony Stark comes back from Titan, he's like, Cap, it's over. We fucking lost, dude. We got buried. And that is essentially what Obi-Wan is saying in this show. So those sort of classic Western themes are here. And for me, I'm a sucker for that shit, right? I absolutely love the idea of like, whether it be in heroes or sports or regular life, somebody yeah. on their last wits at their last end saddling up that one last time i find that to be very inspiring
1: yeah no those are my favorite kinds of stories like uh no time to die dexter right. all these things that are like all right i'm older and i'm i don't really understand the world we're in now but i i have to try is is so cool and the growth they go through and stuff i watched logan last week uh and that movie still holds up and the, the comparisons are even more stronger when you have that kind of direct memory of it. And uh, this is the first time I feel like we've ever seen a Jedi like bleed because uh, he gets punched in the face and he starts bleeding out of his nose uh, in show. the show. The
0: guy says, I didn't know that Jedi could bleed.
1: Yeah. And, and so it's just like, man, this is just cool to see someone that we have once held on a high pedestal as the great. And now he is sitting in a cave, getting uh, things stolen from him by a Jawa and and all this shit. Like, right. this is not the guy, you know, but I like that because then we get to slowly rebuild those pieces until inevitably when they come to the final climax, I'm sure he's at his peak again um, or close to it. And that that slow rebuild is always a fun to see. Kind of like a, like a training montage. Oh, you just movie, read, right? read
0: my mind, right? Because yeah. what's the what's the thing that the old gunslinger always needs to do first? Get their aim back. Yeah, you know what I mean? Exactly. Like the guy's like, so
1: like unforgiven and stuff.
0: Right. And so what this sort of plot construct does for you is it challenges these heroes in two ways, right? Physically, he ain't what he was. I'm not exactly yeah. sure how old he's supposed to be. I think he's supposed to be in his fifties, right? Or probably pretty close something to like that. that yeah. So not only does he physically not have, have the same tools, not only has he used that tool, those tools in a long time, but he is also experiencing self-doubt outside of that physical challenge. So not only is he thinking to himself, can I do this? He's thinking to himself, should I do this? And yes. that provide and that provides a fascinating sort of insight to the hero's mindset where they lose belief in the very thing that used to drive them, right? Yeah. Obi-Wan is he is so out of touch with the force that he didn't even know Anakin was alive. Yeah, <laughs> think about that. Yeah. I mean, that yeah. to me is insane, right? To, to uh, from what I understand of the Star Wars world, the presence of of Anakin's force throughout the entire galaxy to force users would be immense. So yeah. for him to not even notice just shows you how far off he was from. The character that we once knew so not only is he physically not up to snuff and drained he is mentally and emotionally and spiritually crushed and to not only get back on the horse but it's not like it's like a walk in the park right it's not it's not like it's hey come out for some spring training he's getting thrown yeah. into game five of the world <laughs> series <You know laughs> yeah. what i mean like he's exactly got, he's like you know he thought oh I, I gotta go save a kid nope turns out anakin skywalker's still alive and he wants that ass so yes. that is such an exciting thing where not only you know if i'm him i'm thinking he's thinking In and out quick, right? Like a ghost. Nobody sees me and I'm done. And the next Mm -hmm. thing he knows, not only does he have to revive a remote source of power, he needs to revive enough power to now take on Darth Vader, which is, you know, it's like, I'm trying to think of a good sports comp, but... It is like Brett Favre if he laced up at 42 to come. Oh fuck, I guess I have to bring up the point, right? It's like Tom Brady. Yeah. I fucking, hate, I fucking hate with all my guts. But it's like, it's like he's coming. He's like, you know what? Fuck it. One more year. Not only am I doing one more year, I'm going for it all. Yeah. And I love that. That is it's the inverse of like the Rudy underdog story, right? It's the this, it's like a Rocky four, this once yeah. great champion who has been brought back down to earth needs to rise up again. And in terms of like heroic arcs, there's none better than that. No, you're totally right. There's a reason they keep making these kinds
1: of stories and it's because they're always fucking awesome. Uh, Especially when it's a character you've spent a long time with, and you know what they can be. And now you have to see them at their lowest. Uh, Something that stood out to me is when Owen is being kind of interrogated by the inquisitors in that town square and Obi-Wan is watching from afar. It made me think of when Obi-Wan jumps down in front of a army of droids to confront general Grievous in episode three, he did not give a fuck. He's like, Grievous, you and me, fuck all these guys. Let's do And in this moment, he's cowering behind the corner. Like, I can't, I can't do this. I, I'm not ready for this. You know, he won't do it. And it's just like, that's where we're at. You know, 10 years ago, this dude was taking on a guy with four arms and four lightsabers. Right. Right, and, exactly. And now he won't even take on two guys who, as far as we know, probably aren't even close to General Greaves' like skill set.
0: And that just goes to show how disillusioned he's come become with the Jedi Way, right? I think mm-hmm. in that moment he was prepared to let Owen die. Yes, to stay in hiding, and that is, and so, Owen wasn't
1: let, willing to and, let him die, right? and
0: that is so antithetical to the character that we had known. So, it, yeah, I just think they've done a great job of showing how beaten down and, and and off the pace that he currently is, and where he finds himself. So thematically, I think that those are the big beats, right? I, yeah. I'm I'm not really sure that we've. I'm sure when they bring in Darth, we'll get more of that sort of, um, you know, uh, failed, um, what's the word? Padawan type storyline sure. stuff. Like, not only will he question his future, but his past. Every choice that led him to this point, he'll wonder. You know, and we'll talk about this. But the line from Owen when Obi Wan is like, "He needs to be trained," and Owen is like, "Just like you trained trained his father." That is an Eminem eight mile bar right there. You know what yeah. I mean? Like that cuts <laughs> him down to size immediately you could see his face like fuck that is a great point <laughs> so yeah. uh let's get on to the plot right now the show opens with i thought that this was a great move a like epic prequel trilogy mm-hmm. recap right like so like it was basically like a highlight montage of let's take the only usable scenes from those three films slap a sweeping score on it and yeah. make it seem like it was the most epic shit ever yeah no but, absolutely and I, and I think it's successful in one way, while it doesn't make me think, you know, those films weren't so bad. It does do an excellent job of contextualizing the tragedy of Anakin's downfall and subsequently yeah. Obi Wan's hand in that. It mm-hmm. really gives you a good idea of how long of a process and how many sliding doors there were along the way that could have yeah. changed what ultimately went from being the the best of the best becoming the worst of the worst. And to lead with that whether you've seen the prequels or not, it sort of sets you in the headspace was, and and something that I tweeted was that I think Boba Fett is going to catch a lot of stray shots in these next few weeks. <laughs> in a montage recap alone, Obi-Wan does a better job of Boba Fett ever did of explaining, here's why you're here. Here's why you should care about this story. Mm-hmm. That is where they start you off. And then they lead you into the Order 66, which I think most people probably saw coming and is a no-brainer and is sort of a sweet little action sequence to tickle that lightsaber itch at the front. So I thought that the way to open it by re-illustrating the tapestry of the downfall of Darth Vader combined with the Nexus catalyst point that Mm -hmm. created him and that led us to this point in the timeline was genius. Yeah, they conveniently left out
1: the part where Anakin kills a bunch of kids in that in that <laughs> recap, which was interesting. Uh, good, good, but, point, good point. <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh, yes, you're totally right. I mean, it, they make a pretty epic case for the prequels, uh, which I think most people know, like maybe with the exception of Revenge of the Sith, it, aren't that good. Um, and so it was that's a, it, it, in its own. It's a great <laughs>
0: idea. It's a great idea on paper and that's the benefit of what amounts to a youtube montage could do right right? it's here's was our here here was our idea here's what we were going for we may not have connected on every punch that we threw but here's what the vision looked like so presenting that before this show starts you're like dude anakin really this is pretty sad i feel like i'm pretty sad about what happened Yes, it
1: puts you in the right headspace for the show, I think, because then you feel the pain that Obi-Wan is feeling whenever he has to really think about what happened. uh, And they show it,
0: too. And we've talked about show not tell, which, I mean, this is an easy way to show because it's old scenes. But he's literally 10 years later having nightmares, though. Yeah, exactly. And he uh, at the end,
1: when he is told Anakin is still alive and then has to go on the ship and just kind of sit there and just process that. you McGregor is acting his ass off. Just looks like he's having like a PTSD like anxiety attack. Like right. he's freaking the fuck out. Uh, cause that's his greatest failure. And it's now I was I was describing it to someone who else who had not seen the Star Wars the other day. I was like, imagine if your best friend became Hitler and it was your fault. That's <laughs> really the yeah yeah (laughs) yeah no i'm i'm with you i'm
0: i'm with you it's a it's a hard to swallow analogy but it's but, (laughs) but it's apt it's apt yeah absolutely all right so that's where we start and then i would say the next big plot beat is his clash with owen lars right uh this is something that they highlighted in the trailers it's something that i've since brought up because it's such a powerful line him saying luke needs to be trained him saying just like you trained his dad And what I like about this even more is Obi-Wan's self-doubt that he's already been experiencing for 10 years, his internalized self-doubt is now being confirmed by an outside source. So not only has he spent the last 10 years thinking to himself, man, I really fucked this up. As soon as he's approached to try and right the wrongs, the first hurdle of that is somebody telling him, you already fucked this up once. So his great fear comes to life in front of him. And that is why I yeah. think it's great to have a character like Joel Edgerton, who was not a star then is a star. Now is able to deliver lines to a character, which as much mystique as Obi-Wan has while still like being almost the more charismatic force. You know what I mean? That is, yeah. that is the the clutch part of having him there double on top of the fact that hit like his, The way he handles being interrogated by Reva, that's stone-cold shit right there. You can just tell that he's a real one. So I thought that this scene was successful in thematically further highlighting Obi-Wan's struggles with coming to terms with his journey and what he's done and if he's on the right course or not. And plotting-wise, because we got to see Joel Edgerton throw gas, we got to see the Inquisitors sort of confirm themselves as badass villains with that she chops that chick's hands off ASAP you know that's for the Star Wars world granted there's no blood there's no screaming but pretty gnarly (laughs) stuff pretty gnarly stuff so it is effective plotting wise to make you excited for what's going on and what's to come and thematically to sort of underline what Obi-Wan is going through and not only is he the only one to think it other people think that about him too
1: yeah, I, I don't know if you know this, but apparently the reason why there's no blood when someone gets their hands cut off with a lightsaber or whatever, because it cauterizes the wound at the same time. Which Well, is no, crazy. the
0: reason is because it needs to be <laughs> okay for kids. That's that's true. But I'm saying the, well, uh, the in-universe explanation. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the car, I, I could just imagine them being at like a writer's table being like, I've got it. Yeah, I've got a scientific explanation of why these people don't bleed. <laughs> uh, it's, it's, uh, but actually, pretty, I kind of like that.
1: That's not yeah, bad. You can do it's worse. It's so hot or whatever. It just cauterizes yeah. the wound immediately. Yeah, you yeah, could
0: do it. worse. So thoughts about the scene, kid?
1: It's, uh, like you said, it just shows how, how much he can go toe-to-toe and, and handle an interrogation. I mean, he is more of a badass. Owen oh, is more of a badass than Obi-Wan in this moment. In this he scene, is, yeah. Yeah, he is uh saying like i'm willing to die for obi-wan but obi-wan probably isn't willing to die for me even though they've had an exchange that kind of shows owen does not like obi-wan and um it, it it highlights that this guy is probably more about it than obi-wan at the moment uh like the greater rebellion feeling in the galaxy um and that's that's incredibly interesting and I wonder if we'll see more of Owen throughout the series because right now Obi-Wan seems like he's probably not coming back to tattooing for a while. So I wonder um, if we'll see that. I know that um, the the like key art that they have on Disney Plus for the show shows Darth Vader and Obi-Wan on tattooing, but that could just be.
0: Art. Well, that may not be Darth Vader. That that could be. A- I suppose. Right? Because it's ju- you yeah. just see like the red blade, right? Yeah, so could be anyone, but yeah. um one would I, I think though. Would yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. Uh all right, so let's move on to the next big plot beat. That is Leia's kidnapping. Now, at first I found myself thinking, what's with this bubbly Leia side plot? Like, what's going on here? Uh, right. and then they answered that immediately. As she is sort of the crux of this show, she is virtually a talking MacGuffin, she is what drives the plot forward and what everyone is chasing. And Cade, you had a tweet thread about your thoughts on this particular part of the story, so I'll let you go first.
1: Yeah, I'm not totally, A, sold on that this is the quest that Obi-Wan should be going on. Uh, wait, I get why he would be compelled to go do this, but, like, for the show, as a writing standpoint, I'm not totally sold on that.
0: Well, let me just say that the original Obi-Wan script was tossed out because, from yeah. what I heard, it was too. It, it was him watching over Luke, and that they felt that that was too much like mando so this is already a reworked story
1: yeah so it's kind of like I, I wasn't expecting this to go this direction when i saw Leia for the first time I'm like, oh that's surprising i didn't know we were gonna have her in the show and then i'm like oh you see the kidnap we're watching her from a farm. like oh i see where we're going with this and then i was immediately kind of hesitant because i was like i don't like the little girl playing Leia. and it's not her fault like she's a little girl so it's i'm not gonna like dog on her but uh From a casting standpoint and a directorial standpoint probably this character or this actress wasn't the play uh and reminds me of jake lloyd and the phantom menace in terms of being kind of annoying
0: (laughs) i mean for me when it comes to kid actors it's one size fit all right i kind of just like turn on i kind of just turn on the blinders like they're there, they're doing their yeah. thing, and I just ignore them as much as I can. I'm doing my best. Yeah. Uh, yeah.
1: but like I said, I watched Logan recently. So I, She's great. I like, like Daphne Keen right. was great in that movie. True, and that's a good even, point. Even the kid in James Bond, No Time to Die, was like really good. Like really right. could sell some emotion for like a five-year-old kid. Yeah. I mean it
0: seems <laughs> like he's gonna be getting Leia home relatively soon. Possibly, yeah. So I don't think that I, I don't think that he'll, he'll be dealing with this storyline much longer. I just think it was needed to get him out of hiding because we know yeah. Luke is safe until a new hope, right? Like right. we like we know that, so they had to figure out another way to jar him out. And oh. and it helps that they brought him to like a Blade Runner type world. I thought the yeah. locale was sick. I thought that the sequence where he infiltrates where she's being held. Reminded me of like a Batman Daredevil type vibe, which I thought was really cool. So while I thought the pilot was better than episode two, I still liked what episode two had to offer in terms of visuals, new world, uh, the way that that world looked, the rooftop chase scene sort of. All right. Like, am I a huge fan of far off gun battles? No. But the idea of like them hopping from roof to roof and, you know, pretty cool. I wonder if your complaint is widespread. Like, have you seen?
1: I got a lot of shit for saying uh, this. Well- <laughs> <laughs> uh, because one. I, okay. So writing wise, this is totally in line with Princess Leia. She is an arrogant, stubborn person and a know-it-all and stuff. And so that writing wise, the character is totally pitch perfect. The acting is what is, because Carrie Fisher was able to, Portray that in a charming way, right? Like it was like, oh yeah, she's kind of a know-it-all, but she's fun about it. And and this is just like you're an annoying kid, and that's that's hard to do. Uh, so All I right. I'm not trying to knock her too hard because it is a very tall task. Uh, yeah. but yeah, a lot of people were like, I thought she was great, and I'm like, cool. Cannot yeah, you know, great, agree with great. that. Come on, hey, <laughs> um,
0: right, but enough of Cade beating up on a kid. Let's. <laughs> Let's uh let's Anakin Skywalker. Let's let's move. Yeah, right. Let's move (laughs) on to the villains of the show, the grand inquisitors. Kay, let me ask you a question. Who were the villains in the book of Boba Fett? Uh the the mob
1: (laughs) or something like that, right? (laughs) All right.
0: I had legit forgotten until somebody (laughs) reminded me it had Cad Bane. Yeah, okay, yep. The mayor, kind of, right? Okay, point being is wholly unmemorable villains yes that is not the problem here i thought that the grand inquisitors grand inquisitors first scene of rupert friend or fiend i think it's friend right doing his whole sort of bloviating villain speech Mm -hmm. a jedi will hunt themselves which actually is an idea that i find really cool and i'll get to that in a bit but the contrast of him going through his whole evil speech and they can't like tell the voice. people, but then Riva <laughs> just being like, "Fuck this shit." I'm trying to get to the point and throwing a knife at him. So the dichotomy of that. Follow that up with Riva cutting off that chick's hand in the the town square. Followed up with them hunting Obi Wan to this planet and chasing him through the streets. I just think that the villains are immediately more threatening and more of a memorable unit than Boba Fett ever had. And, and, and not that I'm trying to sit around and dunk on the show, but I'm just saying that Obi-Wan is proving itself right off the bat. I'm not wondering why I'm spending time with the show as I was with Moon Knight and Boba thinking, what the fuck are we doing here? Obi-Wan makes it clear. And the villains are part of that.
1: Yes, it is paced very nicely in terms of like, Every scene connects to the next and is part of a larger progression towards getting Obi-Wan to go face-to-face with the Inquisitors and eventually Anakin Skywalker. Uh, So they have a clear vision of what they're trying to accomplish here, which I really appreciate. And yeah, the the Grand Inquisitors are fucking just cool because like they are here to instill fear and make you realize you are under us. You are not part of us. You are under us and you need to obey to us. And that means giving up the Jedi. Uh, I will say Benny Safdie, not given a great performance in this, this first scene, he he got, he did one take and he said, all right, I got to go make uncut gems too or whatever the fuck. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, it wasn't too good, but um. He was a, he played an interesting role in in you know pushing out the Jedi. Uh, right. I, I like that idea of like you said, uh, the Jedi are called to protecting
0: people. Yeah, a few quick notes that I had of, thematically about Grand Inquisitors. One, I like how they're sort of a inverse of Obi Wan, but also a parallel. Right, they've both sort of given up on Obi Wan. <laughs> the main one has given up on finding him. He's like he's gone. He's dead. Obi-Wan has literally given up on being Obi-Wan. So they're both chasing ghosts, really. Yeah. And I like the idea that Reva's quest to capture Obi-Wan to please Darth Vader is so Darth Vader-esque in Mm -hmm. in like in like the pursuit of power and going to do that by any means necessary. And finally, I love the idea that they spew of Jedi hunting themselves because of their commitment to their code and their Desire to help because not only does it add lore to the life of a Jedi, it's like a very sort of Batman esque thing, right? This mm-hmm. is gift and curse, right? I've got to, I've got to do it, and let me tell you, it fucking sucks. um yeah. So not only does it add lore to the life that they lead, but it inherently introduces a major flaw in their ability to lead said life. This is a group of people who, as far as these bad guys are concerned, live to help people. But as soon as they help people, they're out of hiding and then therefore unable to help. And so it's such a catch-22 of heroism and the cost of that and how much you have to personally sacrifice to lead that life. You know, I just think Star Wars has lacked magic over time, over the last 10 years. But again, this is something that I talk about a lot with Mando and Rogue One and even at parts of The Last Jedi, everything they're doing around the Obi-Wan lore and him putting on the badge and gun one more time and just sort of adding to that idea of explaining like, he is not going to be able to resist hiding from us because he is that much of a good guy. Mm. I fucking love that. I love that. I am such a sucker for this doing good at the cost of yourself i just whether it be logan obi-wan dark knight rises spider-man whoever that is to me what heroism is and when you're able to distill it down into such a granular form where where you could have a character literally tell him one last fight you're fucking nailing it
1: yeah yeah it's it's a there has to be a lot of groundwork laid to make that satisfying you know and so credit to everything george lucas did prior to this and and mcgregor as an actor making us care so much about this guy and showing his charm and hero, hero heroism uh and to get us to a point where we want to see him get back up we want to like you know like the bell is ringing you got to get up like a boxer you know down you have to get up and you got to start fighting again uh that's that's awesome and and is a it arc that I, I just don't see ever becoming unsatisfying no matter the character.
0: So any thoughts here on uh, the villains? Uh,
1: I I'm surprised the Grand Inquisitor was iced so quickly. Yeah, uh, because as far as I understand, he is a larger character and stuff that takes place after this. So really. Yeah, people were actually kind of angry about this. I saw on social media. Like Star Wars Rebels fans were like, what the fuck? So right, he's okay. probably coming back, I imagine. Oh okay. I just don't know how. Yeah, <laughs> um because yeah, yeah, he yeah. got stabbed in the fucking chest. Um I
0: was like, did they really cast this dude for one and, one a, half and a half shows? Episodes, yeah. yeah, <laughs> yeah but it, I, I thought it, it was a great surprising. scene for Reva's character. I was like, yeah, oh, yeah. She's just this like, bitch, oh, I'm committed this bitch to this. Is serious. So, yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. She's she's all about that life. So uh i'm interested in her character uh in seeing you know where if there's a line that she's not willing to cross because she's shown that so far no but at some point you have to imagine something must stand in your way but i don't know um
0: it's gonna be darth vader he's gonna want obi-wan
1: for himself and do you think she's not going to want to let that happen
0: I just like, she, when she killed him, she was like, you think I'm going to let you take all right. the credit? And I think that is the backside of her coin. She is extremely motivated to get this done, but she wants to be the one to do it. And she wants to want to, to get the hype for it. So yes, she wants to be the one to bring Obi-Wan to Darth Vader. But when Darth Vader is like, all right, thank you. He's mine now. Fuck off. I'm sure <laughs> that that's probably not going to sit well with her. Sure. Like yeah. he won't let, like, he won't give her the satisfaction, like, Wherein Palpatine had Anakin kill Dooku, mm. I don't see Darth giving her that same reign. Right. No. Totally valid. Yeah. And so that that'll pose an
1: interesting conflict. I don't know if that leads to her helping Obi Wan. And to they not, also not like go
0: uh, go a bit out of their way not to make you feel sympathetic for or root for her, but they do have that scene where uh, the the Grand is like you are the least of us. You came out right. of gutter or some shit. Like I don't, maybe that is to m- help us understand her motivation more of why she wants to be quote unquote great. I don't really understand why they include that line in there beyond that though. Just so she can prove herself. She has yeah. something to prove. But whereas so everyone else that doesn't. need to do so is what yeah. will pop up later. Yeah. So let's yeah. talk about. Darth Vader, the one note that I have is, buddy, you look like shit.
1: Yeah. Yeah, not looking too hot. Uh, you could barely tell it's Christian. Is that kid. him?
0: You think that that's him? I
1: have to imagine, right? Uh, the, like, the, It's hard to tell because there's so much shit on his face, but, like, they got him back. So, like, I would be surprised if they got and him. And he's just not doing the voice the work. Studio. Right. Right. Yeah. So, so that's gotta be him. Yeah, yeah. I guess so, yeah. Unless you
0: just got him to stand around in the suit, that'd be hilarious. <laughs> he's basically a like stunt five guy. Mil yeah. For this, yeah. Um, look, I mean, I, we all knew it was coming. I liked directorially how it played out, but plotting-wise, as I brought up before, I'm not sure I'm sold. Obi-Wan really didn't know. I mean, while I did try to make the case for it, <laughs> showing that it's he's so out of touch with the Force that he didn't know, so I could... I'm on both sides of the fence here, but there's a part of me that's screaming, you mean to tell me that Obi-Wan didn't sense the most threatening force in the galaxy until he was told about it? Come on. Now, did that crutch lend to an awesome fucking close-up? Absolutely. You know Mm. what I mean? That was fucking sick. You know, great, but I just didn't know if I bought it.
1: Yeah, I I totally get your point. And there's been some stuff that's like, does Leia not mention obi-wan in like the original trilogy like does she not acknowledge that they had a extended interaction well people are priorities? saying that
0: this sort of fills in some dots of why she goes to him in a new hope and why is she right why she's why is she so willing to trust them that's right why yes. she names kylo ren ben right so that i've seen out there yeah, I can't believe
1: that just went right over my fucking head. I'm sorry. I mean, I I
0: didn't <laughs> think about that until I saw it in a tweet. So totally.
1: Yeah. 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 So, yeah. OK, that's pretty sound.
0: Yeah, I didn't have much problem. And like her parents reached out to him the same way that she will reach out in a right. new hope and so on right. and so forth. Right, yeah. right, right. Yeah, I, I didn't have too much issues
1: with what you suggested. And I think that's just because uh I know that there are maybe some logical leaps that we have to take to get to the final confrontation. I know they've always had some wiggle room with like, oh, they fought one more time in between A New Hope and and Revenge of the Sith. And like they have the wiggle room there. So
0: save those thoughts because I want to get to that next. sort of. What did you just think of that conceit as a episode two ender?
1: Oh, it's so good. The music they use. All of it is like top top-notch like again i I said it earlier you and mcgregor sells that that fear that uh sadness on his face of just like oh my god i have to kill him again like or <laughs> yeah. not, not like, only that but man him.
0: he survived that horrific experience
1: yeah, he's probably I very left him angry. with one limb <laughs> and no skin and he's still yeah. alive yeah you just have to think to yourself like he's probably very angry at me you know <laughs> like he's gonna key my car kind of shit you know <laughs> it's just
0: so I'm gonna be fascinated yeah. to see sort of how Darth is integrated to the plot further from here. Like I'm imagining he's gonna give his minions the chance to bring him in they'll fail and that's when he suits up and it's like all right if you want to get a job done right you got to do it yourself type thing so the reason that i wanted you to hold your thoughts is because for our final talking point i wanted to talk about the expectations for the rest of the series now i this was originally the last thing i'll ask because you sort of brought it up i'll bring it to the top how do you think the conflict between darth and obi-wan will resolve itself within the context of the show because we know that they both live (laughs) we know that they come face to face again. So or not so much how you think, but what do you need for a clash between two people who we know survive work? Like what what do you sort of get what I'm saying here? Like what to you would be a satisfying conclude? Right. right. What are the stakes and what would be a satisfying conclusion for these two at this point of their story? And one more thing. It's not like Obi-Wan has an arm to lose. Right. Right. Like it's not like there's the impend. Alfred Hitchcock once described the difference between surprise and suspense. Surprise is when you get a family uh, around a table and you blow them all up. Suspense yep. is when you show the bomb ticking beneath it. Yes. Had Obi-Wan had no arm in those OG films, we would have the suspense of, well, how does he lose his arm? But right. we don't have that here. There is nothing hanging over us. That builds in dread. So I guess my bottom line point is, yeah, what And how would this clash satisfy you? I guess it has to be more emotional than physical. Like, something
1: has to give on an emotional level between the two characters. Um, Obviously, I'm sure they're gonna have a fucking dope fight. But, like, I'm trying to think, like, because... When
0: we meet and there's them. not, and there's not much left of Darth to cut off.
1: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, you just have like one arm that would then be a robot arm, right?
0: He he can start going for dick and balls, but I think <laughs> yeah, that's I suppose the Star Wars universe. Yeah,
1: yeah, it's it's like the when I think of the uh hope, the fight in A New Hope, it's like there's not anger there in that scene. I feel like it's more of like a well, this is it you know kind of thing i'm trying to think of the example but it's like a
0: finally you've come to die type this that's pretty
1: much it like it's not necessarily like unresolved feelings it's more just like this is it and uh i guess you could start to almost mend the relationship between them in a way so that it's less hate and revenge based and more of like uh were enemies and i wish
0: i was as big of a star wars nerd to know word for word what darth vader says to him right in that fight because (laughs) i know like the famous line is he says the last time we met uh uh you were but the master you were but the teacher or some shit like that but yeah so i'm sure that in the way that better call saul was reverse built around one line that saul said Right, I'm sure they're trying to do the same here, right? Reverse engineer a backstory around those those lines.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's it's they have wiggle room, but it's like very, very tight. Narrow and window, they, yeah, they need to know that they have a story to tell rather than probably brute forcing one. And so far, I think they have proven that there was a story to tell here and, and a gap to fill in. And,
0: and let inside. me just say, while we are praising the show, Deborah Chow directed all six of these. She directed some of the best mandos. I put out a tweet today. I think the two best directors in the star Wars world right now are two women Chow and Bryce Dallas Howard. I think they're doing phenomenal work. So shout out to her next question. Since they gave us what I call lightsaber blue balls Mm. in this one, when do we think Obi-Wan will finally wield his saber? What episode three, four, five, or six I'm going with, I'm going with end of four. I, I I could see end of three as the halfway point because he takes it out this week and yeah. he looks at it. He gives it a good hard look, but he doesn't yeah. use it.
1: Yeah. And, and I think we talked a little bit about that like a couple of months ago, like he's going to have to dig it up and like, you know, pulling out the old revolver or whatever, you know? So it was nice to get that moment where it is literally buried and he has tried to suppress it and now it has to bring it back out. Um, yeah. I'm super excited to see, the moment I'm glad because I was worried when they did dig it up that it was going to be used immediately or something. Um, and I'm glad that they have they're, they're,
0: they're keeping you in suspense. There's only one of two characters that, that he's gonna uncheat it for, right? Right, I mean, it's a no brainer. He's either gonna take it out to fight Reba or Darth, and that's it. Yeah. So, yeah. by that logic, I don't think that that's gonna happen next week unless he kills Reba, and that is what sets Darth off. After him, sure. So, yeah, I'm going end of four. Yeah, I
1: think that's probably valid. Um, yeah, <laughs> whatever the case may be, though, that's gonna be a fucking mic drop uh, moment, and yeah, I'm excited yeah, for it.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Like, could you imagine? Or if the end of three is just it coming out and then cut to black, whoo,
1: that's gonna be sick. Yeah, do, be sick. do you think they'll use Duel of the Fates? In... Yes, absolutely. I think so too.
0: Absolutely, they use it in the trailer,
1: yeah. I mean, they've always used it in the movies as like literally a duel of the fates where there are multiple battles going on. And so you're intercutting between different things. So I don't know if they will have the, the leverage of that since it's purely an Obi-Wan story. But regardless, using it in like the fight between them or whatever would be pretty fucking bother.
0: Yeah. All right. <laughs> Final one. Since Leia appeared and kind of surprised us, do we think any other legacy Star Wars characters will appear in this show?
1: I I legacy characters I don't know I wouldn't be surprised if someone like Cal Kestis from Jedi Fallen Order shows up in some capacity.
0: Oh, shit. I think I feel I like think you've been saying this though. I think
1: so too. Yeah, uh, I think I've said it a few times. <laughs> it it kind of just makes sense. Like one, he would have been. Uh, there was a book recently uh, that ties into this show about Anakin and Obi Wan, where he is he cameos. So Cal oh. Kestis, as a little boy, okay, uh, was uh, around them at some point. And uh, I think, you know, he would have been one of the younglings at the Jedi Temple. It's not out of the question that he was one of those kids that we see at the beginning. Maybe not those in particular, but they go round him up or whatever, and they right. go spread out. Right. I think We don't a, we, we don't know who those... We haven't seen those kids, right? Like no, that's I, not, I don't think
0: that we're supposed yeah. to know who they are. I think that's a great call. I think timeline-wise that it works out quite well, in fact. Pretty... Because the game takes place relatively soon after Order 66, right? Yeah, it, it, some
1: time has passed. Yeah. Right. and But more is, time has
0: passed now, is my he, point. So he would yes. be older now than he would be in the game.
1: I generally, generally, I think so. If not, if it's not, yeah, I mean, like, I, I think there's room for him. And he, you know, spoilers, he comes face to face with Darth Vader mm. in that game. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. So I think
0: there is room for something. I think that's a great call. I'm not sure that this is a show that needs one because... No, I don't think so either. Darth Vader is effectively that character. Yes. You know, like him suiting up is going to be a huge fucking moment. Absolutely. And that is essentially the, he's here of the show. So I don't know if there's going to be one, but I think if there it was one, I think yours is a great call.
1: Yeah. Uh, and, and it would be cool because it's a character we have not seen in live action yet or, mm. or yeah. anything like that. Yeah, Absolutely. So-
0: and I think um, it would fit, too, right? With the sort of people pretending to be Jedi, yes, Jedi's exactly. hiding in the shadows. Exactly. All right, this may sound a little janky on the podcast. I suppose I will figure it out when I am editing it. But just as we were recording, just as we wrapped up the first trailer for uh, the sequel to Jedi Fallen or Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order, Star Wars Jedi Survivor was released it's coming in 2023. I think it features the Grand Inquisitor that we just saw killed. It's hard to tell. Uh, there's there's a
1: few characters in here that appear to be new people. I'm I'm glancing at social media, and a lot of people are also very confused at who who these gray men are. I think mean, there's two, they seem to be possibly different people. And, I don't know.
0: And are we supposed to know who Nora Freeze is in that tank? <laughs> uh
1: someone said Starkiller uh I don't know which is the guy from uh Force Unleashed I don't think it's that I don't know this is a very interesting little teaser trailer that leaves us with a lot to chew on it's releasing in 2023 um trying to see did it say platforms it didn't someone said it's not on uh Xbox one PS4 let's see I'm not seeing anything I don't know yes this is very interesting uh just purely because they are introducing a lot of stuff here that was not necessarily a big part of the first game and is uh filling in holes in the Star Wars universe um I don't know where you're putting this in but at some point in this show we talk about his his potential role in Obi-Wan and the timing of this trailer Grand Star Wars Celebration is interesting.
0: Yeah, but the day Obi Wan comes out to be like, "Hey, yeah. don't forget about Cal they Kestis." They could have done it
1: yesterday or something, right? Like it's it's very interesting timing. Um, and it's not like they have a panel. This was just dropped on social media, so interesting. Uh, I don't know when he could pop up in the show, but uh, looks like does they- this fuel or dampen your theory? Feels it very much so heavily. Yeah, absolutely. The gas tank is full. Uh so yeah. I don't really have a lot to say. I haven't time to process this.
0: Yeah, no, cool. All right, yeah. great. So thank you all for joining this postcred pod breaking news edition Peace. <laughs> So overall, I would say the first two episodes of Obi-Wan Kenobi were a success. If you enjoyed this podcast today, please head over to Apple Podcasts and leave us a five-star review. Follow me on Twitter at Eric Italiano. Follow Cade at Cade underscore under. Follow the podcast at PostGredPod. Make sure to check back next week where we will be discussing Obi-Wan Kenobi episode three. I think that's all we've got next week. I think Miss Marvel is the week after that. We'll pick that up then. We've got some exciting interviews in the works. Hopefully I will keep you posted on that when I know more. Cade, final thoughts, pal? Do you have plans for uh, the weekend or what? I'm going to go see Top Gun again. Again? Yeah. <laughs> I saw your tweet with the boys.
1: With the boys. They're they, they are like, all right. They, they're not as big Tom Cruise fans. They're there for the Jets. But I'm like, you're going to be believers. Yeah. We're going to go yeah. join Scientology after this. Don't you worry.
0: I. <laughs> <laughs> I am going to be watching the Champions League Finals. To so to this anybody this. out there who watches soccer up the Reds, we will talk to you all next week. Peace.